I feel like the organization needs to make a statement to the fans, to the players that are in that locker room. There are some players in that locker room that have been there for all 14 straight losses like that. I mean, as fans now as fans, it's, it's, it's been just brutal. Now imagine being a player in that locker room, having to go out there and lose 14 straight games. It's just not good. And Matt Eberflus hasn't shown that he can get them out of that funk. And that's a problem. Hey there, and welcome into the program. Ryan O'Leary here, along with my friend Alyssa Barbieri. It's the Bears Wire podcast. We are powered by the USA Today Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. So we appreciate you hopping on board. Hope you stick around all season and subscribe. Alyssa, hi. What stage of grief are you in now uh, as a Bears fan? What, what stage have you reached? You know, Ryan, I had thought at this point that, you know, I knew what to expect because we came on here and we talk every week, it feels like, about the Bears doing the same old, same old, right? And I was like, let's let's cover something new. And technically that happened in this game. For three quarters, I fell for it. I let them suck me in and give me that false sense of hope. And I know better. I'm so mad at myself. They had me for three quarters <laughs> only to pull a Bears move, and I should have seen it coming. I could feel it when, when the Bears held that 21-point lead at the end of the third quarter and the Broncos scored that first touchdown. I'm like, uh-oh. And like, I know it's still you know two scores at that point, but I'm like, uh-oh, I felt it. And it just, I mean, that was, they keep, they keep finding like in frustrating, devastating new ways to lose games. And oh, I'm just tired. And we're in week five, and I am exhausted. I'm so exhausted. Yeah, this one was a this is a new a new one, right? This is a new one. Up 28 to 7. Fields probably plays the best game of his career for three plus quarters. The Bears defense plays out of their minds. I mean, at least holding down the the Broncos, right? And everything's going well. The Bears basically are pitching a perfect game for almost three full quarters in this one. And then of course, it just comes crashing down on them. Uh, this is just what this is what the Bears are. They have no idea how to win. That's a big topic we'll be getting into. But just give me your leadoff thought on the game, Alyssa. What what's what's at the top of your list with the team coming out of this one? I mean, I think for me, the most frustrating part about this entire loss was, as you mentioned, it just felt like the Bears wasted Justin Fields' best game of his NFL career. I felt like those first three quarters watching him. It was like, that is the Justin Fields that Bears fans were expecting to see. That's who they drafted. He looked like a completely different quarterback. I know people are going to say he was playing the Broncos, who are next to the Bears, the worst defense in the NFL. I understand that, but you can't look at it that way. You have to look at it that the, the Bears offense finally made progress. And Fields... My goodness, that perfect first half outside of the Hail Mary. He set a new complete uh, consecutive completion uh, record for in Bears history with 16. I mean, it, it was impressive. And it, it's definitely something for, you know, Fields and the Bears offense to build on. And it's it's one of those things, Ryan, right? We, we're talking a lot, even at this point, about the NFL draft next year. Because that's where we're at, right? And the Bears currently have the top two picks in the draft. And obviously, if they have that number one pick, and even if they don't, if it's still a top five pick, you know, Ryan Poles, assuming he's still here. I mean, we have to wonder, is he going to take his quarterback? Right. And I feel like at this point, when you see a Fields performance like that, you're reminded of why we believe in him. He has the skill set and the potential and his ceiling is so high and it's about getting him there. And I don't think this is the right coaching staff. I know we, I think we both agree on that, 
So, I mean, it's games like this and moments like that where you're just like, okay, Fields, okay, he's not out yet. You can see him fighting for his job here. So, again, we want to see it consistently. So, coming up here against the Commanders, need to see him build off that performance. But I think my yeah, my leadoff take is just about, you know, Justin Fields, he's, he's not dead yet, right? He's still fighting there. But also, I think this is just a, a weekly topic, and I know we're going to get more in-depth with it coming up here. But... Matt Eberflus, I I don't understand how no one has been fired at this point. This is embarrassing. Uh, my goodness, 14 straight games. We're, we're coming up and we probably are going to hit the one-year mark plus since the last time the Chicago it's won coming. football game. They play on my birthday on Thursday and I'm just prepared for them to lose and for it to be brutal. But then I'm going to go have a nice day on Friday and try to forget about all this. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't want them to lose, but I'm just expecting them to. But again, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this a little later, I don't know, maybe them losing one more time again here on Thursday is what's best for this franchise in the long run. Well, maybe it means the head coach is fired, right? And I think yes, that's where you're going because exactly. I've been reading your stuff on Bears Wire. <laughs> uh, we're talking on Tuesday this morning. The Hot Seat Meter article returned. I was very excited to see the Hot Seat Meter. We're, <laughs> it's back. Uh, the hottest seat by far, according to Bears Wire, Alyssa, is Matt Eberflus. Nine out of ten, Flames for Matt Eberflus in terms of his uh, seat being hot. And you all wrote on the site that you think if it wasn't for this Thursday night football game, the short week where, you know, a team's not going to make a a big move, like firing the head coach or a coordinator or whatever on a Monday when they have a game on Thursday, right? There's just not enough time to reshuffle the deck and get the team ready. So you think for that reason, Eberflus still has a job, but you think if not for that, if the bears had like a Sunday or Monday night game this week, you think the head coach would be gone right now? That's just a gut feeling for you? I think so. I mean, history tells us no. The Bears franchise is poorly run. They've never fired a head coach midseason, even though Mark Trestman and Matt Nagy deserved it. Uh, but then there is a new factor, which is Kevin Warren. And he now, I'm ass- depending on how much control he has, and I'm assuming he has you know, control to make these kind of decisions, I mean, I feel like that might be the difference here. And I think that this Thursday game could be a blessing in disguise, right? Whether it's, I don't know, whether it's just a short week to forget what just happened, how they blew that game. If they lose a 15th consecutive game, then they have 11 days between games. So that, that, that should give them plenty of time if they were to move on from Eberflus to, you know, shuffle things around, maybe promote Luke Getze to head co- interim head coach. I mean, I feel like this game, and we forget, Ryan, they also play the Panthers on Thursday night, uh, I think on November 9th. So that's another opportunity if, you know, the McCaskies and the Bears don't want to get rid of Eberflus this early in week five. If we come up there and the Bears, that there is a really good chance, too, that that losing streak is still active. I think if they get to that Thursday game against the Panthers and they lose, that would be 20 consecutive losses. I think at that point, you seriously have to consider making a move. I mean, but we could see if this is an embarrassing loss, I mean, because they only lost by three to Denver, but the way they lost having that three score lead and just completely crumbling in the fourth quarter. If there's something else like that, whether it's a blowout or they have another lead that they blow it and you are seeing that they're that Matt Eberflus is not getting the most out of these players and things just continue to spiral out of control. I don't know. Maybe we do get that move for the first time. I feel like the organization needs to make a statement to the fans, to the players that are in that locker room. There are some players in that locker room that have been 
there for all 14 straight losses. Like that, I mean, as fans, now as fans, it's, it's, it's been just brutal. Now imagine being a player in that locker room, having to go out there and lose 14 straight games. It's just not good. And Matt Eberflus hasn't shown that he can get them out of that funk. And that's a problem. Matt Eberflus reminds me a lot of Joe Judge. <laughs> you know, he does. He, uh, <laughs> I think he's the same kind of dude, uh, unfortunately. Uh, now, I think his, his background is probably a little bit better than Joe Judge, but his performance has been similar. Uh, and, well, his press conferences are a little bit more sane. Joe Judge was a little insane. I don't know if people, you know, folks actually caught some of his stuff, but it's just a lot of coach speak. It's not a lot of action, right? Uh, you mentioned the record, 3-18. and 18. You could probably say he's lost the locker room. We're going to talk about Chase Claypool here in a minute as well, Alyssa. But just the fact that his quarterback, the entire team, the entire organization, they just have no idea how to win a football game. They have no idea how to finish a game. Even when they're up 28-7 to at home against a horrible Broncos team, all right? They can't figure it out. They just do everything they can to freaking hand the game to Denver. And the only way Denver could win that ball game on Sunday, Alyssa, is if the Broncos played perfect on offense, perfect on defense, and the Bears helped them out and were stupid. And that's what they did by being careless with the football and making stupid coaching moves. And that brings us to fourth and one, right? This is the big uh, this is the big debate here. Should the Bears have gone for it on fourth and one late in the ball game where they're driving? They could just kick the go-ahead field goal, easy chip shot. Personally, and I think you agree, I was good with them going for it. It's just what happened next after the decision to go for it. And never mind the timeout, which we can get into as well, Alyssa. But I just thought this was telling. Here's Eberflus after the game. He's asked about fourth and one. I think this is the very first question he gets after his his preamble to start the uh, presser. Here's what he says. Because of the way we were running it, and it was it was a ha- it was a half a yard. So I felt very confident about getting that right there. And uh, you know, every situation is different. You know, you got to look at the game in its entirety. And I think that the way we were running the football and the confidence that we had on offense uh, in that moment, I would say that, uh, you know, we're going to do that right there. That's what bugs me the most, Alyssa. The way he answered that, he just goes right to, oh, we were running it so well. It was a half a yard. We were running it so well. Like, again, here, just the top of this for Matt Eberflus. Because of the way we were running it. And it was, it, was a ha- it was a half a yard. Because of the way we were running it. And that's the big criticism, right? We all knew what was going to happen on that play, right? Every Bears fan, everyone in the stadium, everybody watching, everybody knew, even coming out of the timeout where they had extra time to go over it, as Iberflu said in that presser later, we all knew what they were going to do. They were going to do the same stuff that they were doing where they were finding success with uh, Khalil Herbert getting that handoff out of the shotgun from Fields, right? We all knew that's that's what they were going to do. And I'm just sitting there. You're like pleading with yourself. You're like, please, can you just... Can you put Fields in the sh- uh, under the center? Put him under center. Make the defense at least worry about the QB sneak. Make them at least worry about a play action. Like you can hide the football a little bit better under center, right? You could turn Fields back to them, do a play fake, maybe let him bootleg, use his athleticism, pick up a yard. Like there's all kinds of different things you can do. But Eberflu said that they liked the package of plays they had in the shotgun when really there was no package of plays because we all knew that Fields was going to hand the freaking ball to Herbert because he had picked up a bunch of yards doing that exact same thing throughout that drive. It's just so frustrating, and that is just that is just case in point, Alyssa. Number one, no idea how to close out and win a football game. Right? Didn't he didn't want to kick the field goal? Didn't trust in his defense. I kind of agree with him on that. But then to just run Herbert up the center's ass at the shotgun, where the Broncos defenders could just sit back and see what you're doing and tee off on it. There's just no excuse for that. 
you have to come up with something more creative. And you have this like special quarterback with his legs that can help you get a yard if you really need it. So uh, that that is a big topic, fourth and one. I want to get your take on it, Alyssa. But I, I, I just cannot believe that he thought, oh, yeah, we were, we were running it very well doing exactly that play. So why not try it again? It's just like, wow, right? It's just it, it just comes across way too simple, like high school stuff. It's it really is baffling. And, that, and this is why the hut this is why the seat's so hot. Yeah, no, agreed. And I do agree that, yes, they were running in very well. Uh, shout out Khalil Herbert. You're getting over 100 yards for the first time this season. But because you're running it so well and because everyone expects you to run it in a critical situation like that, shouldn't you not do that? Because you know that the opposing defense is going to be prepared for that. And speaking of, yes, the run game was working well in that game. Guess what else was working really well in that game? Your quarterback. He had He was having a career day. Why not put the ball in his hands in a pivotal moment like that? Things like that. It's just it. Like you said, it's frustrating to watch because they don't know how to win. They don't. And that's like, I remember this topic has come up, uh, whether it was last year about, Oh, you don't have to learn how to win. Yes, you do. I think the bears are showing that. I think Matt Eberflus is showing that it's just, it's so frustrating when you, I mean, that was the moment to put the game away, right? I mean, even if they do in hindsight, yeah, maybe they should have kicked the field goal. But again, I don't think anyone expected the Bears to even hold the Broncos to a field goal on that, you know, when they got the ball back, because that was actually a pleasant surprise. Yeah, they were humming. Um, the Broncos were humming but, at that yeah, point. Yeah, in hindsight, take the points. But again, you know what you have in that defense. The worst in the NFL. They couldn't stop anyone at that point. They're, the secondary is depleted. A healthy front, a, a healthy defensive line can't get any pressure. I mean, it's just... It, it's so fr- it's so frustrating. Like, but, oh, and like, oh, you played the clip of him too, and I just like having PTSD. I'm just like, oh, uh, he does not know what he's doing. Nope. And you, I can't get back to the fact that you take the ball out of the out of your best player's hands in a moment like that. Like, like you said, maybe you do run it there. I don't know, but get more creative. Like, I don't like. It's just it's so frustrating because, like I even mentioned before, Luke Etsy is calling a great. Great first three quarters, calling a great game up to that point. And then it was just more of the same. It, it was conservative. What do you have to lose at that point? You were 0-3, about to be 0-4. What do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Except your job, which your job's probably already lost. But don't you think that you should be more aggressive then and go out there and get and pick up that first down, run, kick the field goal, score a touchdown, run the clock out, like do something. Like they continue to coach scared. And it's so frustrating. I don't know. And then Eberflus at the end of the game, every time he'll get up there and he'll first thing he does is talk about the positives. Yeah, but you lost a football game. There is no positive about that. It's just so frustrating. Oh my gosh, Ryan. No, especially this one. I mean, there, there's no. I mean, yeah, okay. Justin Fields looked great for three quarters. Awesome. That's that's a positive. But the that fourth quarter is what we're all talking about. <laughs> the fourth quarter oh, yeah. is horrible, <laughs> and this is as depressed as you should feel as a Bears fan, honestly, honestly, because. While Fields did, like you said earlier, Alyssa, remind us why we are not giving up hope and why we keep saying that he can throw the football, right? Okay, we have a 300-yard passing game, four touchdowns. Okay, he has now proven he can throw the ball, right? Can we all agree that he can throw the ball? His first 300 passing game, by the way. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> he can throw the football. He can throw the football. We all knew he could do that. He just hasn't quite shown it, but we all know he has that in him, right? But maybe it's not all his fault, but he hasn't, I mean, it's, it's his development, right? It's the guys that have been developing him. 
Fields has no idea how to win. He has no idea how to operate yeah. uh, in these fourth quarters. I mean, some great stuff on Bears Wire post game. I think uh, Brandon wrote about this. Uh, entering the game, Fields had a quarterback rating of 64.6 in the fourth quarter for his career. Nine touchdown passes, 13 interceptions in the fourth quarter. That's a, in a 58.4% completion percentage. Those numbers have all gone down after this dismal fourth quarter he just had against the Broncos, right? So he doesn't even have a fourth quarter comeback on his resume, Alyssa. So if the Bears go into a – if they're in a situation, money situation in the fourth quarter where they're either leading or need a score, need a game-tying touchdown or a game-tying field goal, they don't get it. They don't get it. Fields has not come through. This always happens, whether you're leading or behind or whatever. And it, so that's on him. I put a lot of that on him, but it's also his development. The guy's developing him, right? It goes back to Eberflus. Eberflus. First of all, defensive-minded guy, which is probably where a lot of the conservative stuff comes in, Alyssa. Defensive-minded guy. His defense is horrible, worse in the league, and they're not developing the quarterback. So what are we talking about here? This is why Eberflus's seat is hot. Never mind the fact that players seem to be speaking out in, in the locker room is a little wonky right now, especially with one guy uh, who is uh, named Chase Claypool, who we didn't we didn't see on the field. Huh. That was interesting. Here's Eberflus or being in pressed. The yeah, exactly. Here's Eberflus being pressed on that one, Alyssa. No, he he chose. What are you asking? Why is he not at the stadium today, like the other inactive players. I'm not sure. So it's his choice. We 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 are we told him that it was a choice, and he's he's at home right now. Okay, stop. I got to stop that. I'm going to replay that. He's not sure. Number one, Alyssa, he says he's not sure. You're the head coach. (laughs) He's not sure. And he says he gives Claypool a choice. Let's listen to that one more time. What are you asking? Why is he not at the stadium today, like the other inactive players? I'm not sure. So it's his choice. We we, we we told him that it was a choice, and he's, he's at home right now. Was he aware that he was going to be inactive before he talked to the media on Friday? What's that? Was he aware that he was going to be inactive before he talked to the media on Friday? Or did his comments play a role? No, we always make inactives uh, right before the game. So was, did his comments Friday about being upset with how he was being used factor into the decision to make him inactive? It did not. Do you anticipate him still being with the team? Was this a one-week inactive thing, or is he, is he going to be on ice for a Yes, while? I anticipate that. Yep. You expect him in the building tomorrow? Yeah. Does this sound like a guy who's got it all buttoned up, Alyssa? You expect him in the building tomorrow? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't, right? He doesn't know why Claypool wasn't there. And then he says, and then he's pressed on it by the Bears media. Good job, Bears media, by the way. Good job. Uh, Pressing him on this. And they they ask him, okay, so it was Claypool's choice. And Iberflus goes, yeah, we gave him a choice. (laughs) It's like, what? This sounds like me when I was a teenager trying to explain to my parents why I wasn't home when they told me to be home. Why weren't you home at 10 p.m.? Oh, you know, blah, blah. I'm like making stuff up on the fly. This is what Eberflus is doing at the microphone. I'm sure Alyssa, he's trying to keep stuff in house. He's not trying to say too much. The Claypool situation is a situation that looks horrible. Organizational failure, by the way, this trade for Claypool, because boy, he seems like a turd in the punch bowl right now. Uh, and, and he's another guy that seems like he's on the hot seat, but does Eberflus seem like he's got everything buttoned up? Wasn't he sold to us, Alyssa, that he was like this guy who's going to come in, he had a you know, structure, and he, he was going to be a, kind of a disciplinarian type of guy, right? Uh, he was going to clean up some of the stuff that jokes that jokester Matt Nagy was doing, right? Like, he doesn't seem like he's got it buttoned up. And, and never mind the fact that Fields is blasting the coaches in recent weeks. Claypool blasted the coaches, which is why he was inactive. Uh, and now Claypool's obviously bitching about that, and he's staying home or whatever. I and mean, he doesn't have this thing buttoned up. So this is another reason why, again, his seat is at a 9 out of 10 on Bears Wire, right? I mean, he is just, he's losing the locker room. 
Yeah, you remember when we were talking about like, the whole Matt Nagy thing and the transition to Matt Eberflus and how I compared Matt Nagy to a substitute teacher who he was like the cool guy and he just wanted like all the kids like him and he had no control. And we assumed that Matt Eberflus was a veteran teacher coming in, but he's more, he's reminding me like a first year teacher who has no classroom management, who's completely out of his element. And he's someone that quits mid seat, like mid year. Yeah. This was me when I was so uh, overwhelmed. I was substitute teaching for a sixth grade class. This is me. <laughs> this is O'Leary in there trying to, trying to get the sixth graders to stay in their seats. So this is exactly what it is. Yeah. And like, again, listening to him, I'm so frustrated at the handling. Like I know we're, we're going to get into here. We are chase Claypool situation. And I was telling you before we hopped on, I feel like the handling of the Chase Claypool situation by Matt Eberflus and the organization is the most frustrating thing about this because first off, Claypool should have been benched in week two after what he did week one against the Packers. Like that's, you have to make the move then. The loafing. Right. You have to have, you have to hold that, hold that player accountable, show the locker room that he's going to be held accountable. No, instead he's able to keep going, you know, go in there, do his thing, you know, whether he's been, you know, not focusing in meetings and all that stuff. Okay. But then you wait until week four after he, you know, throws the coaches under the bus. And then you say, it's not about that. It's a number of things, which I'm sure it is. But if you listen to Matt Eberflus and that post game press conference, what we, what we just played, every single thing he said up there was a lie. Every single thing. And that is, my biggest gripe with yep. Eberflus, he, he he is a bad liar. He get up there, he gets up there and repeatedly lies, and he's deflecting. Because first off, you're saying that it was Chase Claypool's decision to cut to come to the stadium or not? Like, well, if you're not choosing to be on this team, then don't let the door hit you on the way out. First off, so and then he later, you know, Bears uh, official had to go to the media like immediately after that and correct him and be like, no, 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 the Bears told Claypool to stay home. Why, why is Matt Eberflus not saying that? He's the head coach. This is his team. Why does he not know what the hell is going on with his team? Then he was going on on Monday after he was addressing the situation. Uh, that brilliant press conference by the Chicago media who for six and a half minutes were just giving it to Eberflus, getting answers, and he just looked so uncomfortable, and he looked like he was drowning up there. And he kept just lying and just deflecting. But, you know, he said that he talked to, um, I believe, Claypool, it was the morning of, uh, Saturday morning on a phone call. And he's lying about inactives, which were already decided at that time. He's saying 90 minutes before kickoff. They played on Sunday, first off. (laughs) So that's a lie. And, I mean, it's just frustrating to imagine you're a player, too, after the game. And you have Eberflus up there saying, oh, no, this is Claypool's decision. He chose not to be here today. And the players know what happens. And they're like, what, what, what is he saying? Why is he doing that? Imagine how bad that looks. So, yes, the answer is Eberflus has already lost the locker room. And it just it's bad all around, Ryan. The handling of it, Matt Eberflus is out of his element. He doesn't know what the hell is going on at this point. Let's see if, if Luke Getze maybe has a little bit more handle. I'm not expecting him to turn to turn this team around. But can we get a freaking adult that knows what they're doing? Like, give it, give me a first year teacher who actually does have a little bit of classroom management, and knows what they're doing, instead of someone who's completely lost it. It's just, it's the same thing. It's wash, rinse, repeat with this organization, and it's so frustrating because I have the same articles. I, I'm getting ready because um, I know the Bears are going to clean house most likely, or at least with with Matt Eberflus ah. and the coaching staff. So I'm ready to do this all over again. I just did this two years ago. It's so painful. And it's just an endless circle. It goes on and on and on. And you just want a little stability in this organization. And it feels like 
that's like that's never going to happen. It does feel that way. Yeah, it feels like coordinators, coach, quarterback, it all could be different in 2024. Yeah. All across the board. But hey, could be Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. coming. So Bears fans have to hold on to that hope, right? <laughs> that could be that could be on the Top way. Two picks. Yeah. If this continues and if the Bears lose to the commanders. But uh, just one more quick thing, and I agree with everything you said. It, I mean, Eberflus coming into the classroom as the new teacher. It's it's like Joe Judge walked in to be the new teacher. It's like, here's the veteran teacher. It's Joe Judge. Oh no. We're in trouble. Daniel Hackett. Yeah. Oh, geez. Nate. <laughs> same coaching tree, man. Same. Or no, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking of Luke Getze with, I was comparing him and Nathaniel Hackett, but yeah. I just, I just think it, it's bad all around. Like with Eberflus too. I mean, last season we were giving him and Getze and polls the benefit of the doubt. This is your first year, right? This is your first year. Okay. They're going to be growing pains, but now we're in year two and it's worse after you've upgraded the roster. Like, come on, yep. like, like what is going on? And the quarterback has regressed and, uh, and again, brilliant for three quarters. We can't stress, <laughs> stress that enough, but we'll always have those three quarters. But I mean, I think we're talking about how the team doesn't know how to finish games that they should Alyssa and fields doesn't know. And I thought, you know, the fumble was, was what it was. I mean, obviously he just needs to take the sack there. He can't try to do too much and lose the football. We all know that. I, I, he was trying to make a play fine. It, that's football. Also it, terrible play call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, there was a, kind of a free rusher coming there. <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, you knew what you were going to be doing. Yeah, exactly. And you did it anyways. Huh. Yeah. It was like, it was foreshadowing. Yeah. And actually, I'm sorry, that happened after the, no, that, yeah, that was foreshadowing actually. Sorry. <laughs> Painful. But, I'm trying to get all like the things that went wrong in order in my head, and they just like it's just there's so many yeah. that it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I got one more one more piece of sound here. This is from Fields afterwards. Uh, I wasn't sure if you'd even talk to the media. He was he looked so down after this game, Alyssa. But the interception okay. at the end, you know, there's a lot of talk, but it was just a miscommunication, obviously, between him and Cole Komet. And here's here's his explanation afterwards. Yeah, so man, um, you know, safety had uh, depth, so you know. Uh, I expect the Colts to kind of go to a spot and sit down because of the safety's depth. But, you know, Cole stuck to the rules and, you know, selling over and breaking out. Um, so, all in all, it's my fault. Um, you know, man coverage, he's supposed to um, do what he did. But, you know, I kind of wanted him to just play football and kind of just sit down in space. So that's kind of why I threw it to a spot, how I did. But, um, yeah, it was really just a miscommunication on that one. So obviously it's a miscommunication. It's a football thing. I'm not smart enough to really understand everything that's going on there, Alyssa, but it sounds to me like Fields is saying Cole did it the way we coached it and the way I knew he was going to do it. He did the right thing, but I wanted him to ad lib on the fly and I threw it in this. I I thought I wanted him to ad lib with me on the fly and that's where I threw the football. And it's like, what? Like now, obviously the bears had the ball at the 50. There was plenty of time. They had a timeout. First and 10, like they had plenty of time to get in the field goal range. And then the intentional grounding was obviously a problem. It's third and 13, but you you have fourth down. This is a four down situation, right? So you don't have to pick it all up on third down. You can just throw that ball away if, if it's not there. Or, But I, I don't know. Just putting the football in harm's way like that, just expecting Cole Komet to ad lib with you like you're Mahomes throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Like you have all this history together. Like you had this 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 thing where you just can just look at each other and you could change the play on the fly just by looking at each other, that kind of thing, right? Like, I don't think Fields and Cole Komet quite have that yet. You know what I mean? And it's just that right there. It's like, Cole did what we 
coach and preach, but I wanted him to ad lib with me on the fly and play football and, and sit in space. And it's like, that's just not, that's not reality. You know, that's just not going to happen. Of course it ends in a mistake in a, in an interception. I think fields meant to do the right thing. Ah, oh, but it's just putting the ball in harm's way at the end there to, to seal it. Alyssa, it's just no clue how to finish these games. They just don't have it buttoned up. They're not, not on the same page. It is tough, but I thought that that play in particular, that explanation by fields was telling, of course he takes ownership. He always does, right? He's good at that. But just expecting Cole Komet to ad lib on the fly with him, I, I thought was another thing that had me shaking my head. Yeah, I mean, we know that those plays are going to happen. The miscommunication leads to an interception. We've seen it. It happens all the time. But of course, because this is the Bears, it's going to happen in a critical point of the game when you're driving to tie or win after you just blew a 21-point lead. But, you know, like you said, I mean, I don't know. I might. I just. I actually liked that you know he's getting a little bit more aggressive because we've seen him be conservative this season and this was the first game where we've seen him be so confident and, and make those decisions to throw into tight windows or to throw anticipatory throws he, obviously commit didn't wasn't where he needed to be it, i mean or feels through where it wasn't supposed to be you know they're, they're both taking ownership of it you know only they know but i mean i i do appreciate him being aggressive with his throws now, because it's something that has been lacking in his game. We don't want to see him, you know, be complacent and be conservative like his play caller. So, I mean, it's going to happen. It happens all the time. Unfortunately for the bears, it happened when they went, (laughs) it happened to be the last drive and they're trying to tie it or win it. So, I mean, should have known that it was going to end like that. Right. Us bears fans should know better. We've seen this movie before hundreds of times oh we knew <laughs> we knew it was coming as soon as the broncos got it knew going it. as soon as that fo- the broncos scored the defensive touchdown i think everybody knew what was coming that was over i said game over uh-huh. and like they were still up and i'm just like in my <laughs> like game over because i know where it's going ball game like oh there's plenty of time left ball game yeah the the real football product on the field is is painful but uh if Justin Fields' fantasy managers, if you held on to him, you know, if not now, when, right, against Denver? I mean, if it had to be against Denver, right, if he was going to blow up, and he did. I'm sure he won some people some fantasy matchups last week. My brother actually texted me and said, should I start Justin Fields or should I start Jared Goff? And this was on the Thursday night game against Green Bay. And I said, just you got to start Fields, man, and just pray. If not now, when? So at least uh, fantasy owners got a little something from Fields. Don't give up on him yet in fantasy. Go ahead. I had DJ Moore, too. Ooh, good start. you know, no one else. So I had him in my flex spot and good stuff. Hey, thank you. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, nice Justin. Game. Thanks DJ. <laughs> nice game by DJ Moore. So there's that. But uh, our friend Corey Bonini, he has more advice for week five is, is Justin Fields. Would he recommend playing fields on the road on Thursday night football? <clears throat> Not sure. Not sure about that. We'll see. We'll talk about that matchup too here coming up next. But first, here's some advice from the huddle.com. Corey Bonini of the huddle.com here to bring you fantasy football, strong plays for week number five. Quarterback Matthew Stafford, Los Angeles Rams versus Philadelphia Eagles. First of all, be sure to check on Stafford's status, but the hip bruise he suffered last week isn't expected to keep him out of action. While the Eagles certainly may force a turnover or two, this defense has given up the fifth most passing yards and third most aerial touchdowns thus far, and only a pair of passes have been intercepted. There's a strong chance LA has to pass all day long to keep up, and there's also an outside shot of Cooper Cup returning. Running back James Conner, Arizona Cardinals versus Cincinnati Bengals. 
Connor should shake off last week's letdown versus a stout San Francisco defense by facing a reeling Bengals coming to town. Only five teams have allowed more rushing yards than Cincinnati, and it's a neutrally ranked 18th in rushing touchdown efficiency against. The matchup is awful for pass-catching backs, but that really hasn't been Connor's role in 2023. On the ground, consider him a quality running back too. Wide receiver Wandale Robinson, New York Giants at Miami Dolphins. Robinson is about the only thing in this passing game worthy of some attention at this point, and it's really little more than a PPR concession for a handful of garbage time points, especially due to bye weeks. But that's strong enough to get him into some lineups. In his two games back from last year's ACL tear, the slot receivers managed to snare 9 of 11 targets, only for 61 yards, but he did rush another time for 7. Fortunately for the Giants, Miami's defense has only 10 sacks on the air, which is one fewer than Seattle tallied against New York last week alone. Tight end Dalton Schultz, Houston Texans at Atlanta Falcons. We finally saw some signs of life from the former Dallas Cowboy by locking his first touchdown as a Texan last Sunday, although it came on a halfback pass. Schultz remains somewhat risky given that three of his games with C.J. Stroud have resulted in lineup anchors for fantasy football purposes, and even the Week 4 touchdown came on just three targets landed for 42 yards. Atlanta returns from a drubbing in London to present Schultz a stellar matchup. The Falcons are the second easiest opponent to exploit for receptions, number eight for yardage allowed, and the position has scored every other game so far. Expect Schultz to keep it going for a second week in a row. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. The Bears are going to try to avoid a fifth deep straight defeat. Alyssa heading on the road to face the Washington Commanders Thursday night football. Uh, a rematch of a Thursday night football game last year in Chicago, correct? So this is we're doing it again. And that was an ugly one. Oh, it was ugly. It was almost as ugly or just as ugly as the orange helmet paired yeah. with the orange jersey. Oh, yes, that was terrible. I mean... It's brutal. Just they look like crap and they lost like crap. I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, now it's going to Washington um, on a short week. uh, And Washington just, you know, they were going toe to toe with the Eagles forced overtime. They put 31 on Philadelphia's defense. What do you think they're going to do? Chicago (laughs) (laughs) does not feel good. That does not feel good. I I would love to come on here and be and talk about how much Sam Howell sucks and how the Bears have a shot. But uh they actually did look pretty good. They could run the football. Uh, they can throw it a little bit. They have some good receivers. Jahan Dotson's pretty good. Uh, good young player. They still have Terry McLaurin over there. So they're pretty good. They're pre- they got some talent. Washington's one of those teams, Alyssa, where they're never really good, but they never really quite suck, right? They're always in kind of competitive, hanging in there. They're, they always play competitive with those NFC East teams. Uh, um, but, you know, games that they okay, should nice. win. Yeah, games that they should win, they usually win. Uh, and, and that's probably why they're six and a half point favorites in this ball game. It doesn't feel like the Bears should be six and a half point dogs to a team like Washington, right? It's just kind of not a, a wagon of a team. They're kind of a mediocre team at best. But if you believe the odds makers, that's where the Bears are at. Uh, give me a leadoff take on this matchup. Bears, Washington, what do you think? I mean, I think I don't, I don't think it's going to be good for the Bears. I mean, I would love for them to come out after the way that they lost that game on Sunday against the Broncos and to come out pissed and wanting and going out there and just surprising us all. I mean, Hey, the bears defense that, you know, held Denver to seven points, I think for three quarters until, until it all went downhill. So, I mean, I've se- we've seen crazier things. I'd love to see Justin Fields come out and build on that performance, see the offense get better Stick to what you did last week and establishing the run for the first time. It took them four games to establish the run. 
and to actually commit to it after being the like the best rushing offense in the NFL last season makes no sense. Like, I don't know if Luke gets a short-term memory loss, but my goodness. I mean, I want to see the Bears come out and make a statement and not be embarrassed, but then what do I actually think is going to happen? I think they're going to go out there and embarrass themselves. I think that we might be talking about Matt Eberflus being let go or officially being on the hot seat, which means that maybe we get to that next Thursday night game against the Carolina Panthers. Who knows? I mean, I would love, love, love for the Bears to go out there and win on my birthday. I am not assuming that's going to happen. Like you mentioned, I think that this Washington offense, I think, I mean, they put 31 on the Eagles defense. That's impressive. Sam Howell, like with Eric Bieniemy, has Sam Howell looking like a good quarterback, which is impressive. So when I'm doing my coaching list, right, Ryan, I'm going <laughs> to put Bieniemy on there. Yep. This is one of my profiles. Um, but yeah, and then you look at Washington's defense too, and they got some names. Um, I mean, also when you look at, what that pass rush has been able to do this season. There are multiple guys that have two sacks each. The bears defense entirely has a total of two sacks through four games. It's just like embarrassing stat after embarrassing stat. Same old stuff. Yep. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be blowout. I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was last year, but I do think that Washington will win easily. I don't think this is a game where the bears are going to get a lead and blow it. I mean, I hope it's not a blowout. I mean, oh man, I don't know. Ryan, there are so many different scenarios, right? We have to think about this because every week the Bears are finding new ways to lose in embarrassing fashion. The NFL script writers, what they're doing this year, man, I don't like it. It's not fun. <laughs> they're not nice to the Go Bears. to another team. Yeah. I mean, the Giants, Giants have it probably almost as bad as us, but I mean, it's brutal. So I'm trying to like think what's going to happen. You're asking me, what do you think? I don't know. I, I think they're going to lose. I don't know how they're going to lose, but it's going to it's going to be painful. I think you can bet on that. Yeah, well, I, I think they get to 15 here. Uh, <laughs> this is just, you know, in, in terms of like sports betting, this is one of those spots, right? Your short week on the road, Thursday night football usually favors the home team. Never mind the home. The home team is better than you in Washington, which is why they're almost a touchdown favorite. I think if I was betting this game, maybe I'd look at the over. Uh, we talked about the over last week. We're like, well, both of these defenses are terrible. Bet the over. The over hit. The over has actually hit in all four of the Bears games this year. <laughs> the over has hit, oh. which is kind of an interesting little stat. And if you remember last year, that game again, you know, I'm trying to remember that game against uh, the Commanders. I was trying to look it up a little bit while you were talking there, Alyssa. 12-7 final. Yeah, 12-7. But the Bears, if you remember. Darnell Mooney dropped that touchdown yes, pass. They, they the gained end. a bunch of yards. Like the Bears moved it all day. They just shot themselves in the foot continuously near the goal line. They could not figure out how to score. They they racked up almost 400 yards of offense. I just looked it up. But they just, I think they only had seven points in the ballgame, right? 12-7 is what you said. Uh, yep. So they moved the football last year against the Commanders. The offense was clicking a little bit this past game. I, I don't think Washington, they get a lot of credit for their front seven. They've got big names on that defensive line especially, but it's not like they've been like shutting people down. Again, the Eagles just scored a bunch of points against them. Washington's been letting up points this year. Uh, the Bills put up a ton of points on them. Now, I'm not comparing the Bears to the Bills, but you know, bear with me here, Alyssa. I think maybe if you're betting this game, I'd maybe stay away from the spread and maybe look at the over. 44 and a half. 44 and a half. That seems like gettable. I think the Bears could score some points. I think Washington will definitely score some points because we're, it's the Bears defense. Again, we, we've talked about this. I mean, they might cover themselves. I think they're leading the league in <laughs> passing yards against the Bears are. So that should help Sam Howell, even though he kind of sucks. It should help him. He was pretty good against the Eagles. I'm sure he'd be good in this game, too. 
uh, I don't know. Can you find some stuff from that game plan last year against this defense where you move the football, just figure out how to score, finish drives? Maybe, right? So uh, that's how I would bet it. I would bet the over, uh, but I I would predict the Bears lose um, and we go to 15 straight and then we watch to see if Matt Eberflus is still the coach of the Bears by Monday. Man, I hope that like they make a move before the pod next week. So <laughs> otherwise, we're doing an emergency podcast because it that. seems like every time we record, right? And this happened with remember uh, the wet the wacky Wednesday at House Hall, like after uh, week two going into that Chiefs game. Like my goodness, we filmed the day before and then all hell broke loose. And it always like, happens. Okay. <laughs> Come on. And then I'm getting and then I went away for a wedding the next day. I was like, it was just a crazy week, but. Yeah, no, I think it, I think I'm with you. You convinced me too. I think I, staying away from the spread. This one does have a like a little weird feeling about it, but I think the over again. Hey, remember that that the streak of games, Ryan, where we were picking the over and it hit every time. I don't know. Are we hitting? It? I think we're like starting a new one, right? For picking four and zero, you know, picking the over to hit two week two weeks in a row. I yeah. mean, I'm there. You got me. Yeah, the over was. For the Bears, the over in, in last season was ten and seven overall, but a lot of that came at the end of the year. They just took off. They started the offense started scoring all these points. Field started running all over the place, and they started you know hitting over started hitting and hitting and hitting. So it was ten and seven, but that's skewed because if you just pinpoint it towards the second half of that season, I bet it's even a better record. And again, four and zero for the over now. A lot of that has to do with your defense, right? That that's that's a lot of it. Uh, but yeah, I think. I think that that one feels pretty good. 44 and a half. I, I would not expect this one to be 12 to seven again. I, I wouldn't. I, I would expect there to be some points on the board. Maybe the Bears can carry over what they did last week. And the commanders have been pretty good on offense. Uh, they, they can score and uh, it's always easy to score against the Bears. So um, how's that for some positive commentary on the game? At least we don't have to watch Carson Wentz. Like that's good, right? <laughs> That's a positive. Any other positives? I, mean, I like how you're looking for positives and it's just like negative. Like, I mean, that's the space. We're embracing it, right? I mean, that's been like the vibe uh, of our show since we started in what, 2019 or 2020? 2020. So, I mean, even when they made, they, you know, like, you know, snuck into the playoffs with that bonus spot that was created for them, right? That, that year. I mean, it's just been like kind of a negative, just. <laughs> Outside of like preseason hype when we're like, okay, maybe the Bears will be good. And like, oh, we're feeling confident. And then all of a sudden reality just comes crashing down. I mean, we're we're embracing it, right? We're trying to I appreciate you looking for positives, Ryan. I really do, because that's just all negative. <laughs> I mean, for us, this is like this is a blessing, right? The team being this bad. I mean, there's always something to bitch about. Like, do you really want to be the Bills? Do you really want to be the Bills? Where you win thirty-seven yes. to three, you know, you either yes. lose, yes. you either lose when you should win, or just completely blow out the opponent. That's the Bills, right? They, they either lose a game that they shoot themselves in the foot and do stupid stuff, or they win by a million points. That's the Buffalo Bills experience. When you keep winning by a million points, what do you even talk about? How great Josh Allen is? Like, come on, yeah, like you got. That sounds like fun. No, no, Alyssa, you have to embrace. <laughs> Just being in it, like we are just like knee deep in it with the Bears, and every week we're like, ah, you know, you're you, even you raising your voice a little bit today, get fired up. I love it. You know, you you're fed up with care. the team. Yeah, I you do. do. You care. You care. You're not you're not trading your team away. You're still gonna just you're gonna sit here and suffer with the rest of us, and we're just gonna keep doing it and bitch into the mic every week. And this is this is a blessing, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more of that next week. There we go. Ryan brought it right back down. See, that's full circle. I appreciate that. It'll be more of it next <laughs> week after Bears Commanders. So maybe uh, Eberflus. 
Yeah, th- there could be some Eberflus talk. I mean, I promise if Eberflus is fired on Friday, Alyssa and I will oh be back to talk about that. Of course, of course we will. Uh, but at any, any rate, don't threaten you know, me with a good time, Ryan. <laughs> Thursday night football, <laughs> Bears Commanders. That should be a that should be a pretty football game. It's going to be beautiful football out there. It'll probably be about as painful as Giants Seahawks just was the other night on Monday. Oh, uh, but we uh, we will see what happens. Uh, for Alyssa, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks as always for joining us uh, once again. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for us. Tell a friend. Uh, That's how you can support us, and we appreciate you. Uh, We will talk to you next week. And as always, even though it is tough, bear down. (laughs) 